Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means, the other one's just along for the ride. Tyler, say what's up. What's going on? Off-season season. Like, <laughs> like, as soon as that World Series hit and ended, it was all hands on deck. Let's start talking Rockies, and Rockies Twitter is back. And it's kind of nice to be back into it. Yeah, like there was little to no life most of the year, and this has already been a week of, like, you know, where there's passion about you know rookie of the year stuff that we'll we'll touch on a little bit. Free agency opening up, trades already have a waiver claim. Like people are talking, even in the darkest, you know, corners of the community on Reddit, things are things are happening. So it's it's a lot of fun to just be to be back. Like maybe it's, this is this is a new launching position. Like we'll we're going somewhere. Yep, this is this is the beginning of this crazy. It's gonna be a crazy month because. We talked about it last time. We got the winter meetings coming up. They're doing the MILB meetings literally right now. Uh, so everything's kind of coming up to play. Free agency starts today. Uh, so we have a lot going on. So you're listening. We're recording this on Tuesday the 7th, and you're probably going to listen to this sometime the week of the 12th or 13th. So it is a little outdated, so to speak, but that doesn't mean the information doesn't suck. So just bear with us as we keep trying to do what we can when we can uh maybe try to get something set up uh for thanksgiving record on that wednesday and try to get to your ears for that thanksgiving break it's kind of our next goal and then probably something after the winter meetings for christmas time we are not going to be consistent we are i don't know how dnvr and affected by altitude are doing their thing the good for them Shout out to them for just being consistent on these Mondays and these dark days of baseball, uh, especially that is Roxy's, Rocky's offseason. Uh, so we're going to do what we can, but we do have a plan trying to get you an article each week. So if you don't know our website, BlakeStreetBanter.com, literally all spelled out one word. Uh, a lot of articles. All of our podcasts will be there. YouTube, our mini uh, banter session with Hunter Goodman's up on the top there. So you can see your mom's favorite player all that so we are still going to do some content we're going to do the best that we can it's going to be a lot of hands on deck unique perspectives uh, we're just going to keep trying to do things a little bit different than the other guys they're great yeah. we're all great but we're going to try a little bit different we do a lot of great stuff i mean like you said consistency is not one of the boxes that we check but pretty much every other box is checked so, right <laughs> so stay tuned stay patient going to be a fun ride yeah it is and with that like this is I, I sent that yearly thank you tweet out the other day and i really am thankful like you listening to this right now thank you thank you for your mom as well just thank you for being part of this we had a very fun season tyler like shout out to you and the rest of the bsb team like we broke mlb news we started a website we have more banter sessions in season that we've had ever before we got one of the, probably the first draftees, like we had Kay Denton, like a week after he was drafted, which was sweet. Uh, Zach Agnos was on for a little bit to talk about his record setting saves season. Uh, we had Noah Davis, who was part of the major league roster when we had him on. <laughs> like it's, it was fun, like all across the board. Uh, so shout out to all that. Uh, again, Noah and Lewis for the articles. Um, it's just Nick, Nick as well. It's just been fun. It was a fun 23 season. We weren't consistent. 
but life catches up. You're in two time zones different than me. We're all different <laughs> spots in our lives. Like you have your thing. You're trying to make yourself better every single day. I'm trying to survive with what I'm doing <laughs> over here. So consistency isn't a thing, but it's been fun. And that's always been the goal since day one. And when you jumped on board. So again, shout out to all of you supporters. Keep sharing the word when you can, when you hear it. And just thank you for riding along with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this this is a it's a blast to, to be a part of and just actually see the community sort of take root. You know, we don't want to act like we're like the the guys at the top of the pyramid. We're we're in the community with with everyone, and it's fun to be on Twitter, just all the interactions and stuff. So everyone who does partake in that, it makes the experience so much better. Uh, and I hope that we continue to make the experience better for all five of you and your moms <laughs> exactly uh so let's get into it uh huge shout out so every single rockies affiliate won a an award literally today right now on uh, tuesday november 7th so the isotopes won the season-long uh, copa de division award for all of their stuff that they did with the copa series that they uh do a fantastic job in albuquerque with Fresno won the Golden Bobblehead. Each one of these awards is a Golden Bobblehead. For its best non-game day event with their taco throwdown. Uh, Spokane won the Community uh, Unity at the end of that champion award, which I love this one. I think they were won it again last year. they very collaborative uh, up there. But they collaborate with the Spokane tribe of the Indians up there um, just to see how you can mold the relationship of sports with native communities. And Spokane does a very good job. That's why nobody's mad about them being the Spokane Indians because they actually bring in people from the native communities into their, their departments and have these conversations. How can we respect this, this culture? How can we do the best that we possibly can to represent you the best that we possibly can? And so huge shout out to Spokane for doing that and really kind of setting the tone for what future stuff might look like down the road um, with whatever that might be. And then Hartford, and we knew this was going to be happening. We were on top of this at the beginning of the season, Tyler, with uh, K-Dub and Patrick. <laughs> Hartford with the best theme night collection specialty jersey with their bouncing pickles. So if you would did stick through 2023, we are re-ending it right now, putting the cap on it from bouncing pickles from episode one of the season to bouncing pickles to episode 30, 31 right now. Just Rockies affiliates, they know what they're doing at each spot. And I absolutely love it. And it's a lot of the culture and the community around it, which is all that minor league is. And kind of like going back to our thank you there. The community is a big part of everything. So huge shout out to them. Yeah, they fall in line just like what with what the the Rockies do. I don't think they're supposed to, you know, align from a business perspective with the Rockies, but like it, we're lucky to have these these organizations who are just doing a good job. Period. Minor yeah. league baseball, like us, doesn't always have to be the most organized thing. There's sometimes some things that look like they're just thrown together, but we've got a good group. Uh, and I I really need to get to Fresno. That's I've said it <laughs> many know. times. I really need to get to Fresno. I don't, I don't know why we're going to tell Steven and Johnny next season. Like, all right. They're going to be like, this is, this is the third time, guys. This is the third time. Uh, see, here's the thing. I, Johnny and Steven, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. Management turned me down last time, so we'll see what happens this time. Um, <laughs> all right. All of that's out of the way. Let's talk rocks. Let's talk off season. And I, I'm pretty apathetic about this kind of stuff, and I need to know if I'm an outlier or a norm. But do we actually care that John Gray won a World Series yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. Are you uh, okay? It's there's always there is sort of that like the the 
other side of it where I feel like people try to like weaponize the fact that John Gray won a World Series to be like Rockies negative, which like I guess there's a million things to be negative with the Rockies. Let's let these guys to like win the World Series and not have it come back. Um, because I, I think there's beauty in that. That John Gray, we saw him pitch for I mean, like I mean, if you include the minor leagues, like eight years, like seven, eight years, and he became one of our guys. Now he goes out and wins a World Series. That's all you can hope for from from these guys, regardless of where it is, unless they go to the Dodgers. Um, but <laughs> like, I'm I'm stoked for him. I think that's fantastic. I think I think that you spoke to why I don't really care. It's the the negativity that comes along with it. John Gray won a World Series, and we just let him walk for nothing. And it's all that rehashing BS. Like if you go to Reddit, like. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that just like upsets me about it. I like, I like, I like them, but like all in all, I really don't care that a former Rocky win and succeeded somewhere else. Like there's a very few players that I will actually follow as soon as they leave, whether it's football, baseball, whatever it's and, and like, I like John Gray. He was fantastic. He was fun to watch. I, and I'm, I'm like happy for him, but like, I don't really care that he won the world series. If that, if that makes any sense, I just don't, I don't, of all the things I have that I need to focus energy on, it's not former Rockies succeed. <laughs> I, it sounds super negative, but I don't know. It's, and I don't mean it as a negative. I don't know. It's just, I'm curious of how people's perspective are on former players. Yeah, and I mean, I know it, it kind of captivated, like, you know, especially look at DNVR, Purple Row. I think it kind of captivated their content for like a week when when the World Series was going on. And I think, yeah. you know, you can have, I think there can be some split on that uh, for sure, that it's like, okay, I'm very happy for him, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> maybe that's where I need to go to. And we're and we're happy, and we're done. <laughs> like, we don't have to go back through all the nonsense over it. I'm kind of over, I'm over that piece. And if you've been listening to this, like, that's pretty something I'm pretty set on anyway. Uh, good news though, Brenton Doyle gold glove. And there was no doubt about that. It's he won the minor league gold glove in 2022. Or was it 2021? I can't remember exactly. I think it might've been 21. Um, I think it was 21 too. I think it was 21 when he was with Spokane. And so he had that pedigree. He's like the most, he is the most athletic player on the, on the field with Nolan Jones right behind him. It, there was no doubt about it. So huge shout out to him. Uh, he's, he's very humble. <laughs> Some of his interviews after like, yeah, I just go out there and I do my thing and what's going to happen is going to happen. I know I'm going to work my tail off and the result showed here's my gold glove. Thank you for being here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go hang out with my wife, my kid now. <laughs> it's just very, very humble with, and you know, he's working and he's grinding on some stuff now, but just, it's awesome. He's the second rookie. Colorado Rockies rookie to win the gold glove. And I think he's like the second or third outfielder to win a gold glove ever. Actually, he's the third. I remember. Do you know the other two? I know Stephen Kwan is one. No, nope. I forget the other one. No, for the Rockies. Oh, for the Rockies. For, yeah, he's the third outfield, Rocky outfielder of all time to win. Oh, okay. I'm th- I want to say that Cargo has won yep. one. And then, oof. That's tough. I want to say Dexter Fowler, but it's not Dexter Fowler, right? Hall of Famer. Okay, I was gonna. Next was gonna be Larry Walker. Yeah. So Larry and Cargo won it. I don't yeah. know when, but and then now Doyle joins the ranks of Cargo and Larry Walker. And if you're well, gonna also, be in a breath, he was the I think the first National League rookie to win a Gold Glove in the outfield ever. So there's yeah. that on top of it. That's another little accolade 
on top of the accolade. <laughs> right. There you go. Brendan Doyle is here. I, I think we've talked about it before, and I don't want to rain on his parade, so we won't do it. But it's the hope that he figures it out with the bat coming forward. I mean, no, I'm not even going to go do that. That's a that's another season offseason pod. So huge shout out to Brendan Doyle on his gold glove. Now, here's where the outrage happens, and I'm kind of over this discourse because I don't. It, it's discourse, and I. I did, again, I don't know. Nolan Jones, was he actually robbed as a rookie of the year candidate? I'll let you start this one. You know, I for me, I don't get the outrage. I honestly, I don't. Uh, Corbin Carroll and, and Kodai Senga, I think, were pretty clear one and two for me in in that order. The third spot, yeah, it was up for grabs. It probably should have been Nolan Jones, but James Altman played the entire season, and he was he was good. You know, the counting stats, some people are going to look at the counting stats and say, this is an award where, like, I want you to have more hits, more runs, blah, blah, blah. You know, Nolan Jones, because of because of what the Rockies did, not because of any any other reason. Nolan Jones only plays 106 games. He probably should have played another two weeks. And that was the difference. The difference was Nolan Jones not really getting regular playing time until almost two months into the season uh, because – only having 106 games, it's hard to win any award when that is what you're working with. Um, and I think a lot of voters t- took that into account. I think James Altman was deserving. I would have put him fourth, maybe fifth on the ballot because there was also a couple of those Cincinnati rookies, Matt McLean and Spencer Steer. But I, there's a case for Altman at three. Uh, I, I, I would have put Jones three, but I can understand the other side. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not here to, sh- to smear the Rockies for another thing. There's There's plenty of that out there. But holding him down a little bit too long, it, it does sting. He could have maybe he could have been actually in you know consideration for the award itself if he had been up two weeks sooner, and, or if he would have yeah if he would have played when he was called up the first time right. He sat on the bench for three games and got sent back down for whatever reason. But I mean, there I understand the outrage, but like, does it really matter? Like these award ceremonies, these award seasons, like you have. I don't know if this is a thing. Like you have, you have Corbin Carroll, clear winner. Like there was no doubt in anybody's mind that he was going to win it. So it's kind of a moot point at that time, at that point. But you have Senga who deserved it, and then you have Outman who was in the big LA market, where you have Jones, and that's usually where people are going. That's the re, the coast biases. The nobody even saw Nolan Jones play. Blah blah blah. And you have a valid argument, but doesn't matter <laughs> like Corbin Carroll was winning it and no it doesn't matter who won it it's like like I don't understand like Drew Creaseman that's kind of his mo it's standing on standing on that kind of Rockies pedestal recognize Rockies and he's he's the gatekeeper of it and you shout out for him to have that energy to do it like Jones was robbed and this is the national pundits and the kind of type thing I just I I Maybe I need to have more energy towards some of these things, more opinions on it. But I just it doesn't matter in the end. Like he yeah, had a four point three B war. Like that's that's awesome, and he has something to go for twenty twenty four. So let's ride with that. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really felt that outrage since you know the Nolan Arenado MVP stuff, where I at the time felt like he should have firmly been you know top two, top three for MVP for like three years running. Uh, that was kind of also a, a time of. You know, being, I don't want to say I was naive, but like there's a bigger picture at, at play. And I think you kind of nailed it. Jones, the bigger picture is what he's going to do next season. And 
yeah, he wasn't a he wasn't going to win the award no matter what. So it is what it is, but I do respect people kind of holding the line still. Yes. Um, <laughs> there, there needs to be – someone has to be saying those things because there is some truth to it. Um, I I make that case with the Rockies farm system. That article dropped uh, yesterday, uh, the 6th of November. <laughs> I think there's some bias there. We're not going to get into that. Um, so it, it's there, and Jones should have been third. Yeah, we can Again, let that rest. Somebody, somebody's got to be out there gatekeeping. We'll, we'll gatekeep the minors and going from that, that <laughs> point. And we'll let, we'll let the big, big dogs do the majors. I mean, the only thing I can also remember is that had a true argument was Matt Holiday and Troy Tulitsky oh, with yeah. the MVP and the Rookie of the Year that year. That was very Coorsy biases first with Howard and Jimmy Rollins taking those accolades away from Holiday and. Chilo. That's like the only real thing, but like what, cause they had an actual argument to win it. Jones fantastic year, 2020 and 19 out like outfield assists. Like you have, you have a solid player going forward, but he wasn't nearly the best rookie of the year. So congrats to him, I guess for having a solid 2023 campaign and to what 2024 is going to be. It gives me hope. It gives us hope to seeing what he's going to do probably in right field or left field. We'll, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, all right. So we're making moves, right? You put a, this tweet out um, and exit, whatever, so to speak, out uh, Sunday or Monday about the free agency money. And you had a nice little breakdown. I'll let you kind of talk about it. Uh, and it's kind of where are we at with what do we need from the free agent list? Who are your kind of targets that you want? I have some ideas kind of piggybacking off your list that I would like. Uh, but let's talk money to us tyler yeah that's what i i like to do <laughs> um and and to preface these numbers i did not want to calculate these myself the morning i sent this tweet out it was like i'm gonna find the resources which if you are a want to track this kind of stuff spot track is really really good they have a ton of free like charts bunch of information that you really don't find anywhere else that they have to be tapped into like the, the uh, like players union contract website because they have like all the information. Um, but I do wonder is the math. I don't know how perfect the math is. Um, anyway, they have right now the Rockies payroll for 2024 sitting at $110.8 million. Uh, you can find our projections all across the board. They actually don't have our projections yet, which I had to go to, to be ref for this. Uh, they're projecting about 45 million for ARB deal, like pre-ARB and ARB deals. All the guys who are like in their first six years in the big leagues, uh, they project about 45 million there. So you're you're looking at 155, 156 million. That's sort of where payroll really is right now. Where did it end? 2023, 180.8 million. Again, this is according to SpotTrack, and that includes all. You think about all the guys who are gone now. Uh, Top of mind, Jerkson Profar, who they signed to that, you know, somewhat big contract, not contract, but the big salary for the year. Jose Urania, um, all the guys they traded at the deadline. There's a lot of, and Denelson Lamette is another one that I completely forgot about. Oh, that, that's a lot of money that kind of piled up if you think about it. Um, and I think it, the the retainer on those was 41, well, $41 million of retained salary, guys that are not on the team anymore. That's left behind last year. That includes Nolan. They paid Nolan $16 million this year. It's going to drop to five in 2024. So 
$41 million basically comes off the books. And then of course there's a little bit of, uh, you know, salary increases for some guys. So basically at 155 right now finished at 180. So that's sort of your, like not quite your ceiling, but that's sort of where you can expect payroll to go at some point. And, and I think that's the preface of things are going to happen. There's going to be additions somehow, some way. And, and from there we can kind of dive into some like, you know, can, candidates that, that might be joining the organization. Uh, and that's a whole complex can of worms that we're barely going to be able to scratch the surface on more of just a fun thing. If it does happen, 1% chance we'll have, you know, a nice time doing a victory lap. <laughs> right. This is, this is where the off season really gets, starts getting fun. The predictions and the hopes that you can add to the team, like and going down the whole Dick Montfort, timeline of <laughs> here's the off season. He's going to send his letter out soon. You know, that's coming and that's going to cause some discourse. <laughs> well, we have a fan fest. I think we're having a fan fest. We'll see. But like what, what, where's that money being spent? So there's about 20 to $30 million to play with on the free agent market. Uh, Rockies have clear needs in the starting pitching and the relief pitching, uh, relief pitching. Not so much. I think they probably need one more arm after adding beaks, which we'll talk about here in a little bit maybe one more arm that you want to just add into the mix of arms there. But can we just get off this case that Tim Anderson is not going to be a Rocky? <laughs> like he does not need to be the Rockies reclamation project last year. It made sense with Cody Bellinger. We needed a center fielder. We needed somebody. Cody Bellinger made the most sense and it was going to be affordable. We do not need Tim Anderson taking up any spots anywhere as a reclamation project up the middle with a healthy B-Rod, with a healthy Tovar, um, and a healthy Rymac with all the young guys coming up. So I want to get that out front. Maybe you can talk me into it. I doubt it. But Tim Anderson ate him for the Rockies. I mean, I the, the issue with it for me, and, and also the guy I'm going to bring up, so I'm just going to contradict myself here in a few minutes, but I think someone with Tim Anderson, it's a former All-Star, I think he won a batting title. There is so much namesake there. And we know Buddy Blackwell. Namesake holds a lot of, of value, pretty yes, much. It does. Tim Anderson, I would I want them to sign a backup middle infielder. Right. Maybe someone who can who you can try to have pick up another position. The Rockies need that. They need a like I we love Alan Trejo. I'm an advocate that like the Rockies need to upgrade that spot on the roster. It was basically Harold Castro last year. I mean, it's sort of upgrading either, either or, although Castro's spot's sort of getting absorbed by Hunter Goodman. Uh, at least hopefully that back at middle infield spot needs to improve. And I think Tim Anderson in a perfect world, you could sign him to be, you know, your backup second backup shortstop plays twice a week, maybe. Um, but Tim Anderson doesn't want that. Exactly. And that's, I don't that think Tim I think Anderson also is that. the thing on his side, but also the issue for Tim is like, he had a horrible season. I don't think Tim has a ton of uh, uh, leverage to be like, I'm going to start. But hey, maybe a team like the Athletics, although I, I feel like the Athletics are just going to pay their like $500,000 players yeah. um, over Tim Anderson, who might cost $5 million. Um, but yeah, I'm not really on board with, with Anderson because it's a, it's a reclamation project. The metrics overall were down. It wasn't just like, you know, all of a sudden the swing and miss increased or something. Like he, he used to be a guy who had close to average power and like that disappeared. Uh, just the, the approach disappeared. It, it's a year that's really concerning, and I, I don't know if, yeah, that's the right move for the Rockies. Right. And I think we're in agreement with the name that you're kind of thinking. I like this guy. I didn't know he was injured most of the season. I just 
I was pretty stuck on Colorado Rocky stuff. I need to do a better job in 2024 following the league. But Adalberto Mondesi, I really liked him. He was a huge fantasy pick for me like two or three years ago when he was coming on the scene. So it's kind of where I know his name. He's got that speed. I think he's exactly what you just talked about. Um, What would it cost to get him here? Would we be worried about those knee issues? And the fact that he's never had 300 plate appearances in a season, would that be something that we would be worried about if they do sign a Mondesi? Well, I think the beauty, and it's definitely not beautiful, but like the the pro to that is you might be able to be in negotiations and say like, this is a guy we want to be a high-end part-time player for us. Like he's not going to be a bench player, but he's not going to be a starter either and, and say like this could help him stay healthy. Um, so I think there's worry there and, and it sounds like this knee injury is not anything, um, light, like there's something, there's something to this knee injury, but he didn't play at all in 2023. He barely played in 2022. So you have to hope at this point he is rehabbed. He's healthy. He's ready to go. My sort of, this is me being a conspiracy theorist and, and that's not even the right word, but getting crazy. I would like to see him kind of pick up some center field, you know, speedy guys like this. It helps. It would help his value a lot if he's someone who could play those main three up the middle positions. And if he's someone who could pick up center field, maybe he's not going to be great right away. But like, I think the Rockies could use depth in center field too. So if you're able to get a guy who plays all three of those premium positions, brings you more speed. He had a lot of, not a lot, but he had power back in the day, back when he was kind of in his prime. Like this was a guy who could hit the ball hard. He wasn't elevating for home runs, but he hit the ball hard. I mean, there's, there's a lot to his profile that I like, especially as a, as a backup kind of utility guy. So Mondesi is, I'd love to see Mondesi signed. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you asked how much it would cost. You probably are able to get him for a, you know, that Cody Bellinger type of deal. Like he gambles on himself and it's a, it's a one year, you know, seven to $8 million deal. Um, You have to think about what the, you know, he he sort of has some, some lost ground to make up uh, from a contract standpoint. So I, I, I would support giving him that kind of money. Yeah, I was kind of wondering where you're going to go with that number because as you were speaking, Cole Tucker came to mind, who's not, I don't think he's officially, he's not with the Rockies anymore. I think he elected free free agency after his minor league deal was up. Um, but like, is there really a difference between a Monacy and a Cole Tucker? Like Cole Tucker, probably get on minor league deal, hang out, I can make that make that call up to be that utility guy. But if the Rockies weren't using him as the backup utility last year, what would really be the point of Cole Tucker? Maybe Mondesi just brings that extra piece, which is that speed that tends to win games. Like look at the Diamondbacks and their run they made. That was small ball-esque. And maybe the Rockies are kind of thinking of going down that road with Doyle and Jones starting to steal bases. So I don't know. I just I was just thinking Cole Tucker is, if would be a nice – plan B, plan C option if Mondesi doesn't come here. I'm trying to run some some data real quick. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this in time. He, But defensively, he has graded out extremely well in his career, which yeah. should should definitely be a factor. I think he has 31 uh, outs above average in his career. He's been really good at all three infield positions when he's played there. So I think that's a really big um, sort of – value there and not that Cole Tucker is a bad defender but he doesn't have the track record that that Mondesi has uh Mondesi also again has there's some raw power there that not that many guys are going to bring especially not Cole Tucker I think that's sort of why he didn't end up sticking the tools are not jumping off the the charts at you 
Um, and I'm not able to find this. I, I wanted to get a leaderboard and place Mondesi uh, in a certain time frame for outs above average, but we'll story for another day. Uh, yeah. He's he's a great defender. There's raw power. He's formerly a 40 base dealer. So I I think there's there's definitely a difference where he can he can elevate that bench role a little bit more. Yeah, and that's kind of what I think of uh, Rajai Davis with the Cleveland Indians at the time when they made their playoff run and like he was just that bench guy that was going to come and steal base on or to go back to Dave Roberts when he won the World Series for the Dodgers or was in the World Series for the Dodgers back then or no, the Red Sox. Uh, like I just think of that kind of thing. Like you just need kind of need one of those type of guys on championship teams. And I, I know I'm talking playoffs. I'm talking World Series. Why am I doing that as a Rocket fan? I'm not sure, but it, there's something about those type of guys, those energy boosters that are just kind of nice to have come on in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, even if it is a, a game in the middle of June. And I think Mondesi brings that there. Uh, Tom Murphy, <laughs> like <laughs> looking at the catcher list, they're all there. There doesn't make any sense to bring any of the other three that you had on the list. I, I used to be huge on Mejia. He never panned out. Um, there was two other guys on your list that was like, eh, maybe Roberto Perez was one of them, Robert Perez. And then I can't really think of the other one, but Tom Murphy kind of makes sense. Like, how is he different than wins? Does it actually make sense? I, it's kind of a weird vibe because Tom Murphy is that long lost, like stepchild that just Colorado <laughs> kind of gave up on like, all right, go find greener pastures, go find a new family. Oh, you did great. So I Rockies being Rockies could back. possibly bring bring him back. So Tom Murphy, like it's just I mean it, we all got to see it a little bit. We got our little taste. Whenever I don't even at this point it's almost like a fever dream having Tom Murphy, uh, right. and and because he he had a borderline All Star year for Seattle. I think it was 2019. He was like a borderline All Star caliber player. He played 80 games almost, uh, 18 home runs, 8.59 OPS. Like he was. I mean, the last two seasons, his OPS has also been over uh, 870. He was injured a lot in 2022, so you can kind of write that off. But, I mean, this past season, OPS of 873. This is this is a hitter more than a catcher. He's not a bad catcher, but also none of his defensive metrics actually stand out. Um, baseball Savant has the pop time framing, blocks, ratings, and he's not doing so hot there, but – this is a guy you can count on a little bit offensively. I think the big thing though in getting a catcher is I don't maybe the market does pick up a lot more, but I think that's sort of a low risk, like high reward move. Where if he's not doing well, it's it works out for you because you have Drew Roma who's just about ready. And if it does work out for you, you have a guy you might be able to trade at the deadline. Um, you know, you can work some things out. It might be an injury, so I, I do like the idea of bringing a backup catcher because you know. Brian Servin just I think we can I think we can do a little bit better, especially if Drew Romo's not going to be on the opening day roster. I just don't really want to see Brian Servin on the opening day roster. So Tom Murphy's <laughs> yeah. that substitute. And I think Tom Murphy also gives you kind of a insurance piece that if Diaz does what he does in his last year of his contract that he did last year, you might actually be able to move him at the deadline as well. Then you have Tom Murphy as the veteran catcher to kind of lead the way for a Drew Romo, Willie McIver, Braxton Fulford type thing. So like having, having two vets. So like we saw it last year, Diaz and wins. It was kind of a nice combo. I mean, there wasn't a lot of productivity 
offensively the second half of the season from either one of those guys. But it was kind of a nice combo with Diaz and, and Wins. Like, you weren't really, I don't know, Wins. <laughs> I was never mad that Wins was playing. I, I kind of got to that point at the end of the season where it'd be kind of nice to have that same kind of guy with Tom Murphy who just rakes but can't stay healthy. So we'll see. I, w- I don't think I'd be mad about that. Especially with all the all their needs that they need, adding a backup catcher might not be top of the list, but wouldn't be a bad thing to do. When it does boost the pitching staff a bit too, I think there's right. there's a lot of value in that. That if you have some, you, maybe some young pitchers are in your rotation next year, you want someone behind the dish who's super experienced, great reputation as a as a receiver. Um, Austin wins. I'll I'll miss him honestly, and and I would not be surprised if a if a really good team scooped him up as their third catcher kind of going mm-hmm. into the season. Um, and I don't know if the Rockies count as a really good team. <laughs> Not that no, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll come back yeah. to that statement. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Only time can tell. Right. But yeah. Wins wins as a coach, as a bench coach, who knows? Um, starting pitching and relief pitching. I, I really like this name. You have a different name in mind, but Frankie Montas, I really loved him in Oakland what five six years ago he was kind of that next up and comer of those like that churning rotation of oakland arms back in the day yeah. just he was always good again i didn't really know he was out he had some kind of artho arthotherapy i can't say words he had some kind of surgery this past off season that kept him out all of 2023 he made a few parts few starts at the end of the 23 campaign um his last contract was one year for seven and a half million gotta imagine You'd get a little bit less than that. You're more versed in that than I am. I could see him being a nice inning eaters. I have no idea how his stuff would play at Coors. I just know I liked him a while ago. And we need that fifth kind of starter that we were talking about last pod where I just, I didn't understand it, but then you talked me into it. So maybe Frankie Montas is that guy. Is he a buy low candidate? Like, is he somebody that could actually fit into this rotation? I, I think he is my only sort of, like detractor from it is I think there will actually be a market for him. Uh, like yeah. when he was last healthy in 2022, his fastball is averaging 96. Um, he was striking out like a guy per inning. I mean, he has a history of being like a borderline ace. Like the, that's sort of what the Yankees traded for when they, they got him. They're like, this yeah. is a guy who slots as a number two starter and completely injured in 2023. I think it's a good opportunity for a team to try and, and get that buy low going forward you could maybe load the deal up with incentives, uh, maybe an option for next season. Kind of like with Cody Bellinger. We've talked about the Bellinger thing already. Um, like Cody Bellinger could be a kind of a comp there in terms of you get a one-year deal, a lot of money, incentives for more, maybe a club option. I don't think it'll be the Rockies that end up doing it. I think some team is going to get crafty and try to make that their big starting pitching addition. That makes so. sense. It's it might be a little tricky there for the Rockies, but I'd I'd love that if they they somehow could pull it off. Once you have like after Otani, it like drops off the face of the earth. Like it's not a very good class really after that. So you kind of are competing with other teams to try and find the best value with the best potential going forward. And again, the Rockies are the Rockies, and if you can go Rockies or Yankees or Red Sox or somebody you probably are going to one of those other teams. Um, talk me into Jacob, J- Jacob Junis. Jacob. Jacob. Uh, I, you know, this is, this is one, the preface is, I think the Rockies have to shop in this, this tier for pitching um, because 
they're just not going to be able to lure any of the truly top guys in, in free agency. And Junis is, is an interesting one because he has 110 career starts, but also has like 50 something relief appearances. And he is, is sort of that hybrid. And that's uh, sort of a reason I picked him um, this two birds with one stone. We could, we could go with that, that maybe he's your, your swingman type of guy that gives you, you know, a couple multi-inning appearances a week, or you might be able to turn him into your fifth starter. And he, I think he has the stuff to do that. Um, he's, he's mid nineties. Uh, he's, I think he's 93 to 96 with his fastball. So there's, there's a perk there. He throws a slider predominantly. So I, we all know sliders tend to, to work better at Coors Field. It's a, it's a good slider too. So um, nothing flashy. I, I'm trying to sell, I'm being a car salesman right now. Uh, it's nothing flashy really, but I think it could fit with what the Rockies need, just innings. The Rockies need innings kind of however they can get them. And the way I described in our rundown, Junis could be the guy that gives you five to seven innings a week, which I don't know how many yeah. times you hear pitchers described like that. Usually it's like he can start for you. He can be in the bullpen. Again, I think he could be someone who like either he's starting and he gives you like six innings in a start out of the bullpen and gives you two three inning appearances. And and I think the Rockies should should consider having more guys like that that are not your Connor Siebold's, Carl Kaufman's who are like on the fringe of their roster. I think they should have guys like that who are some of the better bullpen guys they have that go to three innings. And and Junis would be a perfect guy to fill that role. Also yeah. could come relatively cheap. He's not by any means a, a you know flashy name. But has a big track record of, of being a good pitcher. He has 713 innings in his career. Um, he's been above average in, in many seasons of his career. I'm I'm on the, the Jacob Junis train. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and I it makes sense, and I kind of agree with it. Kind of The Rockies are kind of doing what you're just explaining with uh, Greg Bird last year. Trying to extend him two to three innings, being that knockout reliever if you need it, or if you needed him to start that time. Ty Block became that guy towards the end of the season too. Uh, Junis and Ty Block seem very similar to me. Uh, Junis is a righty, however. But um, yeah, so last year Junis was in four games, only started four of them. He actually finished six games, had 86 innings pitched. So he's roughly two, three innings per outing. So kind of exactly what you were talking about. Just that inning eater wherever and however, because you couldn't really count on a Chris Flexen or a Chase Anderson to get you two or three innings in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. Like they were starters. Mm-hmm. Junis kind of gives you that, that Swiss army knife type of feel going forward. Like they need a starter, but they also need a reliever. So why not combine the two powers and see what you can come up with? So, all right. You talked me into it. And he, he seems cheap. His last year contract was what three million, two point eight million, yeah, two point eight million yeah. for the Giants for that one year. So expected three million return, three point five maybe. I think yeah, be sort of between three and five total. You know, there's there's going to be maybe a two year deal. I think right. a guy like that, he's got to be looking multi year if he can get something like that. And if the Rockies say, hey, two ten, two years, ten million dollars. I think that'd be good for both sides. Pitching doesn't always come cheap. Uh, guys that are on the okay. actual open market and, and guys with the long and, and quality track record are not going to come super cheap. So $5 million a year, that's what the Rockies gave Pierce Johnson. Um, I think that Junis could fit better at altitude, which, you know, that's that's a bit of a pro. So that's yeah. sort of – I think that'd be a crafty outside-the-box way to, to really boost the pitching staff. Yeah, it'd be fun. So adding – 
Mondesi and Junis, you got Swiss Army knife, so to speak. They shouldn't be signing any starters. You kind of have your roster set up. Um, we kind of talk about that right now. So adding just a few pieces rather than a Chris Bryan or a Jerkson Profar who have to start if they get signed. It'd be kind of nice if they got away from that this year and just let the kids play, kind of lean into this youth movement by accident. Because, uh, you know, Montfort's going to be coming out in his letter that we're not rebuilding here in the next few weeks. So what are what are we doing? Are we actually leaning into this youth movement or are we going to sign somebody, something ridiculous again? Because they do have 20 millions to play with. So <laughs> does they he have, sign? They have to use the money somewhere. Like it's going to get used. The yeah, Rockies are not going to spend that hands. money too. Exactly. So there is there is some wiggle room. Um, maybe before we get into the roster for next year, DNVR, I'm sure it was Patrick that sent it, sent it out. They expect a trade to be made because the free agent class is so weak this year. They kind of put this question out there like there might be a trade. There might be some movement before those winter meetings in December, December 3rd, 4th, 5th, whatever. How, what number, 50%, 100%, 0%, what percentage do you actually put on that statement? You know, I, I, I buy into it. Um, I'd throw a 70% on it. I, I think the Rockies have to make a trade this offseason. I like you said, pitching stat, the pitching class is like I, I actually I think it's top heavy. I think there's like four or five really good starters in free agency when you include Otani. And then there's a, a handful of mid-tier guys. I mean, the Rockies are just never gonna be in the market for those guys. They're not or they're not gonna be in the market for the Rockies. So the, the Rockies need to look to a trade. Um, you gotta find a team that's willing to sort of retool some things, take a controllable starter and flip them for a couple prospects or also a, you know, young controllable MLB guy, i.e. Sean Bouchard. Don't, I don't want to manifest that completely, but like, that's sort of what you have to consider. The Rockies have an abundance of those, those corner guys. They also have a good farm system. I think they're, they should be considering a trade for a controllable starter. Um, It would make a lot of sense. And it, it, kind of usurps the free agent market for them, something that they're not going to have much luck in no matter what. So maybe, you know, a little bit of a spoiler, got something in the works on that um, that'll cover some guys who who might be candidates. I guess I have to get that out soon. If DNVR is, (laughs) if they really got this scoop, I got to get that out soon. (laughs) Start making your predictions now. We are in that season. I, so maybe piggybacking off that, because last time we talked about it, you kind of predicted that they would move some of those minor league ar- pieces for an arm. And I think we both agreed that would be the best move going forward. So do they do they trade like a Brendan Rodgers type first or do they trade like a Jordan Beck type first? I mean, I, I think I think I think both. I don't know if that's like necessarily what they will do, but I think what makes the most sense is like, you know, do both like a Sean Bouchard or a Brendan Rodgers and you know, a Jordan Beck or a Sterling Thompson or, or, you know, one of their arms, they do have a, they have a good amount of arms that will like sweeten a deal, maybe not be the centerpiece. If you take two, like both, both kind of demographics, you might be able to get yourself a, you know, a mid rotation starter with three years of control. So Combine the two. I think you've got to go, you got to, yeah, kind of compile your, your resources. It's going to be interesting. We have about a month before those winter meetings hit. So keep, keep watching, keep listening. Uh, I mean, to all Rockies media. All right. So waiver claim brought to you by daily controls, um, LLC, all of your automation needs engineering. If you've been listening to us, you know, they're our one sponsor. Good dude. 
he will travel. He will come to you. He will fix whatever you need to fix. He'll brainstorm whatever you need to brainstorm. He, anything automation-wise, again, whatever that means, he's got you. So reach out, dailycontrolsllc.com. Go find uh, go find Daily Controls over there if you need if you're in that industry and you need something. But that brings our control pitcher of the week, so to speak, Mister Beaks. Uh, we just signed a lefty. We we claimed a lefty off of waivers from the Tampa Bay Rays, which is already a really cool statement to say. He's a lefty piece in the arm barn. Very unique uh, arm slot. Uh, uh, Lewis posted uh, an article yesterday kind of giving us some savant numbers and how his 2023 season wasn't as good as his 2022 season, what some, some adjustments he might need to make with his repertoire. Um, pretty good, really good article by Lewis. So if you go to BlakeStreetBander.com, you'll see it. But what does Beeks bring other than just another lefty arm to this arm bar and who could – honestly see three lefties at one time back there getting warmed up what does beaks do yeah i mean i think that he brings more power than you're typically gonna see from from a lefty he's i think he averaged 94.3 on his fastball just this past year um and and really what sells him for me is his changeup. and i know i don't want to start beef with lewis but in his article he, he said he doesn't necessarily think the changeup is going to be what carries him in 2022, his changeup by run value, Savant's metric, I think that's one of the best ways to, to grade individual pitches. His changeup ranked 10th in all of Major League Baseball for run value. Um, it's it's a really, really good pitch. He uses it a ton. The whiff rate is high. So it's, it's a great changeup that averages like 90 miles an hour. So it's like one of those sort of new splitter type, you know, the, the super – I don't even know what you call him. Uh, you see a lot of videos of of that Twins pitcher, Johan Duran, who has his like splinker. They call it. It's like a. I mean, his is upper nineties, but his is if you have that that high velocity, arm side breaking pitch, it's gonna it's gonna do work, and especially at Coors Field. I love the idea of bringing in this like low nineties changeup to Coors Field. Um, you know, cite the the numbers: thirty one point seven percent whiff rate on the change up last year in 2022 i'm going back to 2022 because 2023 was just not um great and then the fastball though also works really well 25.2 percent whiff rate last year on fastballs anything over 20 is is good that yeah. means that thing is hard for hitters to see to make contact with consistently um you know there's there's a lot to work with with beaks it's i mean he's probably going to be out of the pen i think what needs to be noticed a little bit he made eight starts this year um, most of those are like as an opener, but he's capable of going multiple innings. He's made 19 starts in his career. He's, I think you should view him as a multi-inning guy, and I'd love to see him get that use. He has the, you know, he has the, the works of a breaking ball. He doesn't use it a lot, but if he can add that, then, you know, this might be your other multi-inning reliever, maybe spot starter type of guy that I think, yeah, the Rockies should stockpile these guys. Right. Why not just have a bunch of these guys that you can go two or three and do bullpen games and all that kind of stuff and have that that luxury to kind of flex in and out with it. I I, I like it. He has funky delivery. He's going to be fun to watch the changeup. I love a good fastball changeup combo. So I think just from a fan standpoint, I like the idea of having Jalen Beeks on the squad and the fact that he's a veteran. Maybe it's just going to be nice to have that out there. 
gives you some wiggle room with a Tyler Kinley and Daniel Bard. Like if they don't quite come back to form of 2022, you kind of, you have this other piece that could possibly fill, pick up that spot where Brent Suter was kind of that guy last year. And so it gives you just more wiggle room and fairly cheap. I actually don't know what the contract is or what it looks like, but I mean, so relievers are probably what three, three to 5 million. So fairly cheap for a season. Well, and that's Which, the kick is that he jumps into that the arbitration eligible players that the Rockies have. Oh, he is. So okay. They have to they have to figure out his contract amount, like you know, in the coming weeks with the, with the other guys. But it'll probably be. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's second or third or first or second time eligible. It's probably going to be the, like two to three million dollars. Right. So, so again, I mean, all arm bars are fairly cheap. Minus if you're Craig Kimbrell who's somehow pitching out there, but Jalen Beeks add some, add some strength to that bullpen uh, there. Again, go to blakesrebanter.com, find that article by Lewis. Uh, just good behind this stuff and go ahead and disagree with him. Like Tyler just did. Let's start some BSB beef. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have two more things to talk about is the projected 2024 lineup and a pr- player profile. I want to do the player profile first uh, with uh, that, Brock's minor league uh, report kind of does Isaac. He's that guy that does all the kind of the deep diving from ACL DSL low A type players. That he's really good at finding all the numbers and kind of breaking it down in a sense that makes sense. So we're going to talk about uh, Angel Jimenez real quick. If you read the ACL recap, you saw Angel Jimenez's name pop up all the time. It's he's a, 19 year old 19 year old he was signed by the rockies i think in as a 15 year old in 2019 so he's been part of the system for a while he has a big fastball that he likes to play up in the zone he has four or five pitches that he can do use um gets plenty of swings and misses granted you're doing that at the acl but dude man is hitting 97 already so a 19 year old Big arm. I think he is a starter. Uh, see if I can bring up that post real quick. It's going to be posted probably later this week or early next week with the actual player profile. But Angel Jimenez, kind of, you got the Victor Juarez. You got the, um, oh, who's the other guy that we all love that's next on the list? He had Tommy John this year, the Latin player. Uh, 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 Jordi Vargas. Jordi. Jordi Vargas. And now you kind of, you have Angel Jimenez right behind both of those two guys coming up from those, you know, the international feeding system. Uh, so Angel Jimenez, 11.84 strikeouts per nine. Grand ball rate was 37%, uh, but that whip was a 1.0 whip. So his, he's got this stuff. It's going to be interesting to see what he does in Fresno. You got to imagine he's starting in Fresno next year. Does he make quick work of it? What do they call him up to Spokane after that? But this is another big arm to kind of watch and see what happens going forward. So remember the name and remember that you heard it here first from Isaac uh, Rock's MILB report that has cool Twitter and a cool uh, Instagram that he does on his own there. So go ahead and check those things out. It's, it's going to be fun. Curveball, slider, sinker, and changeup in the mix. Very similar to Herman Marquez. And we know how great Herman is. So Angel Jimenez, remember the name. Now let's get into it. Let's finish it here, man. So. Rockies 2024 projected lineup. It's out. The roster resource posted it. I don't know how to do this effectively as a podcast, but it's 
it's pretty straightforward. There are a few question marks I have. And I kind of want to see what, what you're thinking. Let's just talk offense. Let's start talk starting nine opening day with what they have on there. I'm just going to go down the lineup they have. Um, Charlie Blackman, DH, Ezekiel Tovar. Nolan Jones is actually the left fielder. And Chris Bryant hitting fourth and right field. Then you got Brendan Rodgers, Brian Mack, Elias Diaz. First base is occupied by Montero hitting eighth. And then closing it up with center fielder, gold glove winner, Brenton Doyle. Biggest thing that stands out to me is Chris Bryant is the right fielder. Yeah, I mean, I there's been a lot of talk about him at first base. I think if he is playing the outfield, though, right field, for the reasons they talked about last year, makes sense. It, it, it'll help keep him healthy, allegedly. Less running. That's more of a it's more of an arm based position, which I think Nolan Jones is your prototypical like elite right fielder. So having him play left, I don't love it. But Chris Bryant's bat should be in the lineup until further notice. And if he has to play right field and push Jones to left, I don't think it I don't I don't think that hurts anything really. Um but I think yeah the the real kicker is not having Brian at first base and that gets Montero into the lineup, which I support. I think that's sort of the best way you can, you can build this lineup out. Although you could swap Bouchard or Goodman in for Montero and swap the positions with Bryant, have Bryant, your first baseman, and then Goodman or Bouchard in, in left slash right. I think that's probably the best construction you could make, but I'm also a fan of Montero. I think his upside is arguably the highest of that group. So you know, I don't, I don't think there's a lot to quibble with in that that projected lineup, uh, besides what we just did, which is pretty pretty minor, right? And like you're gonna switch Charlie, Chris, Montero, pretty much through their three positions pretty regularly. I mean, and you look at the bench bats, you, like Hunter Goodman, he's not a starting first baseman yet. Like your mom's favorite player, he's great, he is good, but I don't he had, didn't necessarily blow everything off the out of the water last year to say, Hey, I am the starting first baseman where Montero kind of was earning that spot at the end of last year. So you kind of have to give it to the old Grizzly vet in Montero. And so it's just, it's going to be interesting how they use Chris Bryant. I just want to see a season where I get 110 games out of Chris Bryant and he just produces at an average rate. Like I think what that's kind of what we need at this point. We're all frustrated. Injuries suck and there's no knock on Chris, but it's we're paying that much money is going into a guy that we can't get 110 games out of. It's a little scary. And knowing that you have Hunter Goodman and Sean Bouchard who can fill right in in right field or left field or uh, the outfield there. So it's pretty standard, pretty straight up. I don't see any crazy surprises coming up. It does. The bench has Brian Servant. We talked about that. We'll see how that plays out. Hunter Goodman, Alan Trejo, we've talked about that. Like you were out there last time saying Julio Carreras. If we don't go outside and sign Mondesi, maybe Julio's getting that utility spot. You have Coco Montez in the mix as well. And then Sean Bouchard is the fourth outfielder, which makes sense now that Nolan and Doyle, like Sean is kind of the odd man out that they signed Charlie to that one-year deal too. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with, no, maybe this is how I want to word it. What is what? Is, where's Tolia in all of this? Like he's kind of that missing. He's absolutely crushing it in Mexico. Maybe as you speak, I'll look up his Mexico uh, winter league stats. Where's he in this mix? What's what's next for like Shunk? Um, there's Jimmy Heron down below. There's some other names that are could be possible bench mats, but 
the big one is Togues. Like, where is where's he at in this? Yeah, I think last year he got passed up by Hunter Goodman, and then Sean Bouchard came back and said, "Yeah, I'm still this first base corner outfield guy." And and I, yeah, Bouchard is is clearly going to make the roster unless he had like an absolutely terrible spring training. Even then, I think he's done enough in his his little end of season stints to earn himself a shot on the opening day roster. And so that place is is totally in kind of an odd spot. He could definitely work his way onto the roster, but with the the presence of Montero and Goodman, who as of right now are ahead of him, you know, totally is on thin ice. Really, if he doesn't come out of the gate pretty hot next season, like his roster spot is is open and available. If they need to add someone to the forty man, Tolia becomes one of those next guys up to DFA. And I'm not sure that teams would line up to bring him in. Um, yeah. He has not really shown any any signs of life. You think of uh, there's a guy with the Mariners, Evan White who it's an eerily similar profile. This was another guy who was drafted out of out of college first round. There's this expectation he's going to be a gold glove first baseman, but he hasn't hit. And, I mean, the Mariners, unfortunately, signed him to a multi-year extension to try and get ahead of the market. That turned out terrible, but, like, very similar. They just haven't hit, and Evan White is currently buried with Seattle. Um, so Tolia might be on his way out if he cannot perform pretty early on next season. Not advocating for that. You never, we never right. are advocating for guys to to go, but he's sort of on that verge right now, where he he needs to make an impact sooner than later. Yeah, and you were hoping that he would go to Mexico and kind of fix some of that. He's crushing it. He has five doubles, three home runs, and sixty-seven at bats, eighty-one plate appearances. However, it's that strikeout rate that we're all concerned about is currently at 28% right now in those 18 games and those 81 plate appearances for the Monterey. I don't even know how, what their logo is for Monterey in the Mexico winter league. So the strikeout rate still up. That's the one thing that you're hoping that he would drop down again. The power's there. The glove is there, but there is a kind of talked about again last pod like there is kind of a this small little window this little gap with the strikeout rates and how much you can actually do with it like we talked i think it was benny montgomery we were talking about and specifically like he has good at bats he might strike out a lot but the contact he is making on the the other 70 percent of the time is good don't know if we're necessarily seeing that with tolia i haven't been watching this is all kind of number number watching but it's something that you got to kind of watch and see how spring training goes for Tolia. He kind of is the odd man out with your monster player making the presence for himself last year. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of fill up that bench going forward, especially again with Alan Trejo. And we've talked about Brian Servan as well. The rotation pretty straightforward. Uh, I kind of like it, especially the fifth fifth spot. But Kyle Freeland, Austin Gomber, Feltner, Lambert, and then Noah Davis in the fifth spot. Names that you're not seeing is Senzatella and Marquez. I think they're slated to come back in July. I think it's kind of the vibe there. Um, we'll see how that goes. When do they? Because they got early season Tommy John, right? Well, I think Senzatella was pretty pretty middle of the season because he kept getting injured. Came yeah, he right. came back late. He had an elbow injury. He came back and then tore it. I think July. So he's probably. I think he's. Gonna, I think Senzatella is going to miss the season. And then the hope for Marquez is that he can come back maybe late July, early August, um, and get it, get some starts in late in the season. So yep. really, though, when you're looking at that rotation, it's I think that's how it stands unless there is uh, an addition, which does seem pretty likely. And in that case, you're you're going to have that fifth spot battle, which 
you know, that's how you sharpen things up. And you have yeah. Peter Lambert, you have Noah Davis that can that can go at it for that spot. Um, I guess you could throw some of the other 40 men guys like Connor Siebold, uh, formerly Carl Kaufman into that mix. Uh, you probably come up with some of the other minor league guys who who will have a shot. But I, I you know, as it stands, I don't hate it. I absolutely don't. I think Lambert showed a lot of promise last year. And then we know Noah Davis has the stuff to be an MLB starter. I think he knows all the things he needs to work on. That's yep. one of the things with him you're not worried about is him making progress. So uh, I would not mind him being the fifth starter coming into the season. Right. I just don't think the Rockies would be comfortable with Lambert and Noah Davis being the four five. I think they want to add yeah. that arm in there. Again, no knock to them. It's just that you need that that one more piece, I think, up there. So it'll be interesting. You got Chris Will and Tanner Gordon knocking on the door. Case Davis or Case Williams. And Joe Rock right behind them, I would say, is kind of the next five or six on the list there. And then the the arm barn. Now, this is where the most questions are that I kind of have. Um, this does change a little bit with Beaks into the the mix. This is before Beaks was signed. But Justin Lawrence is your closer. Tyler, Clint, Tyler Kinley and the Daniel Bard are the setup men. Jake Bird, Nick Mears, Evan Justice, Tommy Doyle, and Connor Siebold. Which kind of which names stand out to you the most is like, huh? Really? Yeah, I mean, I think as of now, Connor Siebold is right now. I think he's depth, and then Tommy Doyle. I like Tommy Doyle a lot. I don't think he pitched well enough down the stretch last season to be penciled in as an opening day guy. Like, where is Victor Vodnik and Gavin Hallwell? You know, maybe a little bit needs to, needs to continue refining some things. He started last year injured, and maybe that didn't really allow him to get his stride. But Victor Vodnik, under the surface of his of his numbers, was like good in his little debut last season. Yeah. Uh, a lot of hits. The the batting average on balls in play was high, but that does stabilize as, as the season goes on. Also know Lucas Gilbert in here. Uh, and I think he's going to be, he, he has Tommy John in like spring training. So right. he's on track for a opening day return. Uh, maybe, maybe they're expecting May, like a May return instead of April. Uh, but I think those, those bottom two spots are up for grabs really, but there's just there's so much competition that goes into it, and, and we didn't talk about bullpen guys in our free agency wish list. And that goes into the fact that you have so many spots, or right. not so many spots, and you have so many names fighting for those spots. Uh, like even like a Nick Mears is not a, a lock for the roster. Evan Justice is not a lock for the roster uh, because there's so many guys in the mix. I just don't really see the and, and Jalen Beeks, who is not listed on there, as you mentioned. There's a lot of there's so much competition. I don't think the Rockies are going to be bringing in a free agent reliever. I think that Jalen Beeks moves sort of it doesn't lock the door, but it does close the door on Brent Suter. I, I don't think they're going to bring in another lefty. Now they have Beeks, Justice, and Gilbreth, who are all going to be part of the team. There, yep. You, you might be this. It might be an indication that they want to take the twenty million dollars and spend it a little more significantly, and. That doesn't have to be a free agent starter, but it could be a you know a, a trade target, someone that does have a contract they're bringing in. Um, yeah. So the bullpen is is pretty it's messy, but I think in this case, messy is a good thing. I think it, yeah, it's it's messy, nice. It's it's organized like everything's in piles, but it's, it's still <laughs> you kind of know where everything is, but you don't know where it all belongs because you have right. a nice mix of the young guys with the the vets, like you have Justin Lawrence, Tyler Kinley. 
I mean, take Justin Lawrence off that. Tyler Kinley, Daniel Bard, and just, uh, Jalen Beeks as your kind of vets back there that kind of ho- can hold down the fort anytime you want. They got Justin Lawrence and Jake Bird, who are that that middle the middle experienced guys that they kind of know what is expected of them, what they need to do. Then you guys, then you just have the rotation of arms because, like, you have Victor Vodnik, like you said, you have Duke Darnell will probably be in the running this coming year. Uh, Michael Thompson is. Chase Dollander, you have these guys that are uh, knocking at the door. Not Chase Dollander. Who is who? Do you love? Uh, there's Seth Halverson. Halverson. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking Halverson. Halverson is going to be knocking at the door. I think. I think he's going to be making moves in July, August. Like I'm at Albuquerque. Very Evan Justice 2023. Like I think will be the Halverson in 2024. Uh, road. You just have these guys that can possibly do some things. So you have the veteran experience. You have the young guys. You're trying to figure it out in 24 so you can make that that 500 push in 2025, playoff push in 2025. So overall, not a lot of questions, which is, I don't know, is that kind of annoying that there aren't more questions to the Rockies lineup? Like this time last year, we had no idea, right? Like you had no idea who the left fielder was going to be. You had no idea, like... I think Castro was actually signed right around that this time. So we yeah. kind of knew what he was, where he was going to fit in. Um, but there's not a lot of questions. And I don't know if that's good or bad or it just is what it is. I don't know. I think the question becomes who and when are they going to, who are they going to trade for and when is it going to happen? And that's maybe the <laughs> most fun questions. Those are the most fun to ask. I, and this regimen likes to make those trades. It, it, whatever you want to say about them, Billy, Billy likes to move again. Nolan Jones was brought in for Juan Brito, a big top prospect. Uh, he's made made those moves to get more really, uh, arms in the system at the trade deadline. He's he's been trading. He's been moving. He's not a draft and develop. He is, but like he's also adding pieces around it. So I think Billy Billy's gaining the trust at me at least, and I've. He kind of he's kind of won me over overall. So I think I'm on board with there is going to be a trade coming. I'm going to see your 75 percent and raise it to 80. I think there's going to there's a solid chance something's done. And yeah, it's going to upset. I mean, it's going to be something big that's going to upset the fan base. Let's get I'm, well. They, I'm, it all upsets that. the fan base. It all upsets uh, the fan base. That's valid. <laughs> if it's bad, it should. But even if it's not, you know, it's going to upset the fan base. Absolutely. Uh, and if you just want to go down that rabbit hole, go to Reddit. I'm going to call out that Reddit guy. Dude, dude, man called you out specifically, Tyler. I want you to call him back. Uh, so Reddit Reddit gets a click, us clicks. And so I put the blogs on there. Like, And you did that sweet five-tier looking at the system, a very unique, a very fun off-season thing to do. You you enjoy this stuff. Um, it, it was a good piece. Like very my bias aside it was in depth this dude man you need a dirt nap says on reddit does this guy actually watch any minor league baseball everything fine is fine just like last year we are headed to 500 baseball per this joker and dick okay would any one of these guys actually take a hard look at what we have and give real objective analysis they all push the Montfort's narrative which i have no idea where he got that from your article that next year is the year that we really see improvement we do not have the pitching staff or hitting talent to be much better next year the biggest problem that these guys refuse to address is our advanced scouting and front office. Give us an in-depth report of these two debacles within the organization and why, why Dick refuses to address them. Go ahead and speak up, man. Um, I wish I, 
I we don't have the production value for this, but I would just play the sound of a broken record when I hear that because that's what everyone has been Beach. saying. It's it's a blanket statement that I mean, yeah, if you read the if you read the piece, it like none of that applies. We are looking at guys who are gonna impact the team for the next three in the next three years, not for like we're not ta- we're not trying to paint a picture that the Rockies are gonna be good in 2024. We're painting a picture that the farm system is good, which even the people I, I was calling out people in that article, even the people that I'm calling out in the article would say the Rockies farm system is good. I'm saying I think it's better than they're saying it is. And and I don't think that's a, you know, a, I don't think that's blind in any way. I think, yeah, nope. the Rockies are going to be the Rockies. We all know that. Yes, um, yeah, exactly. broken, broken record. Squeak, squeak. It's so. It's <laughs> I don't know so if that's annoying. what a broken record sounds like. It, it, it's not, but <laughs> <laughs> you can tell your age with that there. <laughs> and, and, and I said the same thing. And honestly, the people on the Reddit kind of came to your defense and said the exact same thing. Uh, no, they aren't. They are pushing the correct narratives that help is coming. So there's a lot of that in the Reddit. It's just if you're going to say the narrative, don't ask us to do the dirty work. You go do the dirty work. Like you. I don't. It was it was frustrating. It's Reddit. Reddit sucks. Like it used to be so much fun in 20, 2019, 2020, 2021, where there was actually discourse. But every time you go there, it's just people saying the same dumb stuff every single time, <laughs> and with absolutely no value. Like if you're gonna say something like that, back it up somehow. Don't ask us there's to just, do it. You go do it. There's no original thoughts, really. Absolutely and none. I, I miss the days, and I remember I'll I'll throw a, throw a shout out to Scraxy. Haven't we yes. haven't, you know, talked to him a whole lot in, in recent times, but he had a he had a run on there. You know, he's doing a lot of really in-depth posts and it would get a ton of discussion, conversation going. That was original stuff. It was great. It was a good blend of you know it basically was realistic. It was a good blend of like the Rockies or the Rockies, but maybe there's some things that are gonna go right. And I I miss those days and I think years before I was even on Reddit using um, you know, in the community, like there could have been more constructive stuff going on. And I think those days are are Long not time. here right now. And I just would love to see the Rockies be good so that real conversations we can, we can go instead of from like the Rockies are go. the worst thing ever Preach. to like, you know, okay, maybe like they're going to win 75 games this year and <laughs> we can, we can enjoy just talking about, you know, where, where some wins might come from. Right. Normal fan base stuff. Please, let's go down that road. Like let's get mad about that at each other and then have have a cheers of sodas afterwards. Like stop doing this. It's Dick's fault and they'll sell the team. Like there was a sell the team comment on that. Brody, not the not the spot. Just go somewhere else. It's annoying. Anyway, okay. Off my soapbox, off your soapbox. We're done. Um we're here for a good time. <laughs> Remember, we are here for a good time. So that's that's gonna wrap it up. Welcome to Blake Street banter. Well, where one of us knows what the word banter means, the other one just along for the ride. And we will see you. Who knows when? But tell your moms that we're here. Go check out the website. Go check out the banter um, sessions with all of our dudes, and we'll see you around. Go rocks! Woo! Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.